Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Romans chapter 8. We are finishing a six-part series. We're crossing the finish line today of a six-part series called More Than Conquerors. Has this been helpful to anybody? Has this been a blessing to you? Man, it, it has encouraged me, I know, to study and prepare what it's meant to me. Today I want to talk to you, if you're taking notes, because we believe that history makers are note takers. If you're taking notes, write this down somewhere. The title of the message today is, We Are the Champions. We are the champions. Oh, yeah. You know you are. Look, it's okay. It's not bragging if it's true. Come on, talk to me. Anybody competitive? Do we have anybody that has a competitive gene in there, somewhere in their DNA? Yeah, anybody have that competitive drive? Maybe you're related to it, um, and it's expressed when you play, like, family-friendly games. Yeah, you get together over Christmas or Thanksgiving, and, hey, let's play Uno. Well, it sounded like a great idea when you got started. Yeah, but uh, the cards are flying. Or let's play uh, Connect Four. Checkers everywhere. Is this? Am I describing anybody's? Okay, good. The struggle is real, right? Well, um, Rachel and I. This week, we will have been married for 22 years. 22 years on Friday. Friday. 22 years, girl. You're a hunk, a hunk of burning love. It's been the 22 best years of your life. <laughs> I married well, okay? I'm just saying. I'm, I'm married very well. 22 years. It feels like 22 minutes underwater. I'm, t- I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, y'all pray for pastor. We dated for four years, and we got married July the 27th, 1996. And I remember one of the guys from the church had blessed us with a trip to the Bahamas for our honeymoon. So we rolling in the Bahamas. I mean, hadn't been married but two days. Rolling in the Bahamas, and Rachel gets an idea. Hey, how about we play a game of Monopoly? I was like, okay. Now, I didn't realize at the time when I bought all that property, I had every railroad. I had boardwalk and park place. I mean, I'm putting hotels everywhere. She wasn't really happy about that. Yeah, she's got a little competitive drive. Now, maybe my trash talking might have had a little something to do with it. But, you know, we've been talking out of Romans chapter 8 about all the ways that we win. I I love this. I'm telling you, the gospel is so encouraging. Today, you're going to be blessed when you see. And I'm trying to summarize the last six weeks into one message. But when you look at all the ways God has made us victorious, we, we said that God does not condemn us. We said that he gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us and empower us. We talked about how we're adopted into his family. And, you know, last week, David Ray gave us a great message on the sovereignty of God. Aren't you blessed to hear from David Ray? Golly, that guy. 
He is a preaching machine. I tell everybody, and when he preaches, of course, we got to go to Home Depot. we got to buy a you know, 55-gallon drum of paint because he preaches the paint off the walls. Well, last week I had to call St. George Fire Department because this place was on fire. I talked about the sovereignty of God and how all things work together for good. So what is our conclusion? What, what do we say to all of this the last five to six weeks? Look at what it says in Romans 8. I want to give you the last seven or eight verses of this chapter. He says in verse 31, What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Mm -mm. I said, if God is for us, then who can be against us? I think we need to stop right off the bat, and you need to recognize, number one, that God is for you. He's for you. Now, what does it mean to be for someone or to be for something? How many of you are for LSU Tigers? Okay, that's the biggest amen I've had all day. Yeah, how do you know that you're for LSU? Well, some of you got the shirts. Some of you got the hats. We see the bumper stickers and the flags that you fly in. We know. Okay, when you're for somebody, when you're for something, it shows. Uh, to be for someone is to cheer for them. It's to encourage them. It's to speak life to them. It's to rally around them. And I thought about God being for us. It, it made me think of my mom. You know, when I was in college, I played college basketball a couple hours from here. And my mom would come to my games. Now, not junior high. I'm telling you, college. She would show up to my basketball games, and she had this little button that said, my son is number 24. And she was so proud of that big old button walking up into the gym, number 24. And let me tell you, I could hear mama above everyone. Some guys on the team be like, hey, Mike, there's your mom. <laughs> I know. And mama's like, that's, that's my son. <laughs> I'm 24. And she'd be yelling all game, put in number 24. Put 24. Coach, put 24 in the game. I'd get in the game. Give him the ball. Give 24 the ball. Co coach would call a timeout. Coach, run a play for number 24. I mean, oh, mama loved number 24. Mama was for me, and I knew it. In fact, we came my senior year. We played against Southern University right here in Baton Rouge. F.G. Clark Activity Center. Guess who rolls up into Southern University? Okay, we got some alone. Go Jags. Go Jags. Guess who rolls up into F.G. Clark Activity Center with her button? 24. That's my son. That's my son. And so we played Southern that night. And then the next morning I wake up. We get back to school. And my mom calls me. I'm like 7.30 in the morning. She said, Mike, you're never going to believe this. Guess who is on the front page of the sports section in The Advocate? It's a full colored photo of number 24. She was so proud of number 24. In, fa in fact, here was number 24, and I was doing like this. I said, but mom, <laughs> did you see? I know you're proud of 24, but did you see number 35 jumping over number 24? I mean, literally, I promise you, it's a picture of me like this, and it's some dude that is jumping over me, dunking on my head. 
I got posterized by number 35. The bottom of the caption says, Louisiana College gets routed by Southern Jaguars, 40-point loss. And Mama's like, number 24. <laughs> Mama was for me. In fact, she, she bought like 10 copies of the newspaper, laminated that page, and gave it to all of her friends. That's my son. That's my son. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Love you. <laughs> Ouch. See, some of you are getting dunked on in life, but God is for you. You need to know that the God who created you is for you. Can I have a good amen? Why do so many people feel like God is against them? Have you noticed that? I mean, this is a challenge for me as a pastor because I think God gets a bad rap. People paint God to be like some angry, disappointed, always upset, eager to condemn, just waiting for us to make a mistake. Why is it that people feel like God's against them? Now, maybe your circumstances are against you, but the God who created you is for you. And maybe we put God in a bad light because we've cloaked God in religion but he has revealed himself through relationship. Can I tell you, there's a difference. Religion and relationship are two very different things. And when some people think about God, they think about religion. I'm going to tell you, religion is against man. Religion is about condemning man. Religion will always show man how far, how far short he falls. Religion says you can't perform high enough. You can never achieve a status to earn approval. That's religion. But guess what? God didn't give us religion. Through Jesus, he gave us relationship. That's why Paul says, no, no, it's not about jumping through a bunch of hoops where you perform to a level to earn the approval of God. Through Jesus, he is saying to you, I'm with you and I'm for you. Come on now, are you with me today? You say, but Mike, well, what if I sin? How does God feel about me then? Isn't God angry at sin? Can I tell you this? God hates sin, and here's why. Because he so much loves you. He loves me. In fact, here's how God feels about us as sons and daughters when we sin. Psalm 86, 5. The Bible says, for the Lord is good. He is full of mercy, and he is ready to forgive. God is good, he's ready to forgive, and he's full of mercy to those who ask. Can I tell you, God is for you. Now, your circumstances may be against you. People may come against you. Come on now. You'll have a situation where you feel like, wait a second, why is my life falling apart? You say, but Mike, what if I'm being corrected? What if I'm being disciplined? Uh, parents, how many parents do we have? How many of you have corrected your children within the last 24 hours? How many of you corrected them on the way to church today? Oh, yes. For some of us, just getting to church in one piece is an accomplishment. Yeah, whoever wrote the song, It's Easy Like Sunday Morning, obviously didn't try to get three kids ready for church. Ain't nothing easy about that. Can I have a good amen? But listen, parents, why do you correct your kids? Does that mean you're against them? No. In fact, you love them so much that you're not going to let them self-destruct. 
They need correction. They need direction. If you're being corrected by God, in fact, Hebrews says that God disciplines those that he loves. So if you're being disciplined, if you're being correction, know this, that it's simply an indication that the God who created you loves you. And God is not against you. You say, Mike, well, well, I've got so much pain in my life. My life is so messed up. How could God be for me? Hear me, church. Hear me, beloved. Don't interpret the presence of your pain as the absence of your God. Can Can I say that again? Don't interpret the presence of your pain. Just because things are painful doesn't mean that God sent that pain or that God is behind that pain. God uses pain for his purpose. See, God is for us. He's not against us. We've cloaked God in religion, but he's wanting to reveal himself through relationship. When the kids were small, I remember Michaela, she was young, about to, about to have a birthday, maybe five, six years old. We were on a trip, driving somewhere, and she said, out of the blue, just driving, she said, Daddy, for my birthday, can you do something for me? I'm like, well, sure, what is it? She said, for my birthday, I want to be the next American Idol. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, and she's just being sincere. It's just, it's amazing what goes through your kids' heads. You know, how many of you are surprised at what comes out of their mouth sometimes? Yeah. She said, Daddy, can you do that for me? For my birthday, I want to be the next American Idol. Well, you know, the, the, the show is about, you know, singing, auditioning, and if, you know, you, you go before the judges, and if you kind of pass the test, you get a ticket to Hollywood, and you get a chance to compete or whatever, whatever. So we just started singing. I just broke out in song. I just started singing the national anthem. Oh, say can you see? I mean, this vibrato, you know. How many of you are blessed by that? Oh, thank you, Lord. I asked Rachel the other day, I said, baby, do you like my singing? She said, I love your preaching. (laughs) I said, no, that's not what I asked. Don't you like to hear me sing? She said, baby, don't stop preaching. So we just started busting out in song, and everybody sang the national anthem. Well, we finished the song, and then Michaela said, okay, Dad, it's my turn. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Oh, y'all are naturals. Q, R, T, U, W. Y'all didn't know you'd sing the ABCs in church, huh? When she finished that song, I erupted in applause. I'm telling you, I went crazy. I was shouting. I was clapping my hands. I said, baby, oh, that was awesome. Girlfriend, welcome to Hollywood. And she said, this is what she said. She said, Daddy, I knew you would cheer for me. Now, watch this, watch this, watch this. What is it that possesses the heart of a young girl to know that her father is for her? I want to tell you this. You need to know that your heavenly father is for you. He's not against you. He's believing in you. He's cheering for you. He's empowering you. And he sent you here today and sent me as an ambassador to let you know that the God who created you, he's for you. I want you to know this. You are highly favored, and you are deeply loved. Come on, somebody say, I'm highly favored, 
Say, I'm deeply loved because my God is for me. Listen to me. God is for you even if circumstances are against you. Come on now. Here's a kingdom principle. I want to give this to you. Are you ready? Here's a kingdom principle. Don't miss this. Nobody can stop you but you. Hear me. God's not holding you back. Man's not holding you back. Your boss is not holding you back. Your neighbor's not holding you back. Come on now. God is for you, and nobody can stop you. Nobody can determine your future or your destiny but you. Why would you sabotage the success that God is trying to build in you? God is for you. He's saying, I need you to be for you. Sometimes we feel like God's against us, but then if we interpret God through our circumstances, then when our circumstances are bad, we think that God's against us. And then we sabotage our own success. God's trying to do something in you. Now, now watch how this works, okay? Remember when God, through Moses, led the children of Israel out of Egypt? Remember that? Nod your head if you're with me. Okay, a lot of miracles, things that happened. And after 400 years of slavery in Egypt, Moses leads the children of Israel out of bondage. They cross the Red Sea. Man, God destroyed the Egyptian army. And now they're in the wilderness, and they're standing on the brink of the promised land. They're there on the Jordan River, and they can see the promise, but they didn't possess it. And God told Moses to send spies to do a little reconnaissance. Do, do a little special forces recon. Now, go check out the land. How many spies did he send? Twelve. There were 12 spies, one from each of the 12 tribes. So 12 of them went for 40 days into the, that land to check it out, and they came back. Now, 10 of them came back, and they said, whoa, 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 wait a second now. Man, they got giants in that land. They got cities that are walled up so high. We're like grasshoppers. There's no way we can go in there. Guess what? They said they couldn't, and they didn't. But two of them, all right, come on, two of them came back with a different report, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb said, wait a second now. Boy, there's, this is a land of abundance. It's a land of milk and honey. With God on our side, we are well able to possess the land. Let's go at once. Notice the report is different because two men believed that God was for them. Ten of them believed even with God on our side, there's no way we can do it. Now, now hear me. And the people, now they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, right? A year for each day of that scouting trip. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness, and I'm telling you, they went in circles, and they complained. They, compl- they were bitter. They blamed Moses, didn't they? They blamed God. Can I have an amen? See, some people create their own storms, and then they blame God when it rains. Mm, come on, hum at me. And so they all had to die off. Forty years later, Caleb comes to Joshua and says, hey, Josh, you were there. Remember when we took that scouting trip 40 years ago? Hey, I'm 85 years old now. I'm as strong now as I was then. Give me that mountain. I'm telling you this, you need to get on God's side because God is for you. And if he says you're going over, can I tell you, you're going over. If he says you're going to possess the land, you need to say, with God on my side, we're going to possess that land. Can I have a good amen? 
You see, you can fight any battle, you can climb any mountain, and you can stand up to any giant. Come on, say, I can fight any battle. Say, I can climb any mountain. Say, I can stand up to any giant. Why? Because your God is for you. Uh, Isaiah 54, verse 17, the Bible says, no weapon. My, my, my. Somebody say, no weapon. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Now, it doesn't say the weapons wouldn't be formed. Come on. But it does say whatever is formed against you, it's not going to prosper. Why? Because the God who created you is for you. And whatever is coming against you is not nearly as powerful as the power of God inside of you. Come on, do you believe that today? Somebody say, my God is for me. Here's a little exercise. Let me give you a little list, okay? I want you to do some inventory. I want you to think right now in your mind everything that's coming against you, okay? Think about people. Think about circumstances. Think about situations at work. Whatever battle that you're fighting, make a list, okay? Number it down quickly, quickly, quickly. Just jot it down. Maybe that's a couple of things. Maybe that's a long list. But I want you to identify what's coming against you, okay? Do a little inventory, Itemize the things coming against you. Now, add all of that up. If it's a handful of things, two things, 10 things, 22 things, some of you are like, Pastor, I ran out of paper. Stack all those things coming against you, and now put it up against the sovereignty of God. What do you have? You still have victory. Whatever's coming against you, it may be bigger than you, but I promise it's not bigger than God. And Paul is writing to the church, and he's saying, sons and daughters, believers, I want you to know that regardless of what's coming against you, your God is for you. How do you know? Look at verse 32. Here's the proof. Here's how we know that God is for us. Because he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. Somebody say all things. Now watch what he's saying here. If God is for us, then it doesn't matter what comes against us. Why? You say, Pastor, how do I know that God is for me? When feelings are against me. How many of you wish you could delete feelings like you delete a text message? Wouldn't that be nice? If feelings come against you, if people come against you, if circumstances come against you, how do you know that God is for you? Verse 32 is the proof. Because God didn't withhold his own son, but he gave us Jesus. How many of you are thankful for the gift of Jesus? Okay, have you ever received a gift? Maybe it was on your birthday. And you have a little birthday gathering, or maybe it was at Christmas. You ever receive a gift and you're like, Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. What is it? You know, oh, praise God. That's so thoughtful. And you're thinking in your mind, man, he could do better than that. <laughs> Anybody ever thought that? Let me ask you this question. The gift of Jesus, is there anything God could do to improve that? Could God give you anything greater than his one and only son? If God would not withhold his only son, won't he graciously give you everything you need to walk in victory? How do you know that God is for you? Because he gave you Jesus. Can I have a good amen? He gave us heaven's best. 
Look at what it says, verse 33. Let me hustle through this. Oh, my, 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 hustling, hustling. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who's going to accuse the very elect of God? Because it's God who justifies. Now, who does the scripture say that the accuser is? Satan. The devil is the accuser of the brethren, is what Revelation says. And so he will list charges against you. He'll bring accusation, but the Bible says it's God who justifies. Look at verse 34. And who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Even more than that, he was raised from the dead. And now he's at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us. Number one, not only is God for us, but number two, he declares us innocent. God declares you and me innocent. Now, here's why this is so important. Because your actions and my actions prove our guilt. I know what I did. I know what I said. I understand the things I've been a part of, and so my actions prove my guilt. But God's actions declare my innocence. Think about what you did. Now think about what God did through Jesus. Okay, in my mind, I kind of have this, like, court case. How many ever watched, like, uh, Judge Judy? Yeah? Old school, Perry Mason. How many members of Perry Mason days? Yeah, you kids don't know anything about that. Yeah, but people's court and this court TV, in my mind I see here God is. He's the judge, and the, the prosecuting attorney is the devil, and he brings accusation against us. And guess what? There's a lot of incriminating evidence. How many know, man, that if we were to keep a record of all of our wrongs, there's a lot to keep up with. We got a lot of evidence against us. I know I've said things and I've done things that I'm not proud of. And the enemy knows it and will record it and wants you to remember it. He wants to throw it up in your face. Some of you, you come to church and it's hard for you to enter into worship because the devil's telling you about everything you did in your past. Mm -mm -mm. And when you constantly, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Listen to this. When you constantly rehearse past sins, it will always leave you in dead ends. Past sins will lead you to dead ends, and the devil knows that. And so he's saying, what about this? What about what you said here? What about you did? And so the, the evidence is increasing. But here's Jesus, and Jesus leans over to God, and he says, look, I know what they did, but don't forget what I did. Enter Exhibit A. The blood of Jesus Christ. When the blood comes into the equation, come on now, there's power in the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus, it will never lose its power. Oh, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? The blood makes the difference, and Jesus looks at God and says, don't forget what I've done, and God declares us innocent. And the Bible uses the word justified. Now, let me explain that to you very quickly. I want to simplify it because justification can be a big religious term. But when you say justified, it's just as if I'd never done it. Just a, now, there's a difference between forgiveness. If I were to offend you or hurt you and you were to forgive me, forgiveness says, 
I know what you did, but I'm not going to punish you for it. That's forgiveness. I see what you did. I'm acknowledging the wrongdoing, but I'm not going to make you pay for it. Justification is it's just as if I had never even done it. There's no record of wrong. See, the blood of Jesus will expunge the record. Can I have a good amen? And so now we're declared innocent. I love that because we can come into the presence of God with clean hands and a pure heart. Our mind, I'm going to tell you, you are pure, you are holy, you are righteous, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. And God declares you innocent. You see, this is, there's so much power in the blood of Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. If, if you take your sinfulness and my sinfulness, and then we look at the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on the cross, when you put those two together, you see, some of us talk about our failures more than we talk about God's success. And so your failures have built such regret that you make your failure bigger than the blood of Jesus. Tell you what, when the blood meets man's sin, when heaven's best met man's worst, who do you think won? This is what I love about Jesus because, and they condemned him for it. They said, Oh, Jesus, if you were really the Messiah, then you would know that that's an immoral woman touching you, right? But yet sinners felt comfortable at the feet of Jesus. Why? Jesus wasn't afraid of their sinfulness. Ooh, I might catch what they got. No, no, no. Jesus knew if I get close to them, they're going to catch what I have. So he doesn't become sinful. They become holy. I'm telling you, there's power in the blood. That's why when you say, Lord, forgive me, guess what? The blood of Jesus will take that wrong and it will wipe the slate clean and you'll stand justified just as if you had never even done it. Quit thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Start thinking about what's right with him. What's right with him? What's right with him? And the more you focus on what's right about him, the less you'll obsess with what's wrong about you, and you'll know that God loves me, that God is for me, and that God declares me innocent, and I am victorious in him. The Bible says at the end of that verse, Jesus is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What does that mean, Jesus is interceding for us? Have you ever thought, you ever wondered, man, if I could just get Joel Osteen to pray over me? You ever thought that? Man, if I could just, I'm, I'm going to drive to Houston, let Joe lay his hand. If I can just get him to pray for Some of you would smile a whole lot more if Joel prayed for you. Be happy. You think, oh man, if I could just get Joyce Meyer, if I can just get Mama Joyce, I, I need Mama Joyce. If I can get Mama Joyce up in here and man, go through a prayer line, have her pray for me. Or T.D. Jakes, if I could just get the bishop. If I can get the bishop T.D. to pray for me. Or, you know, if I can get Brother Bible Man or Sister Super Christian or Holy Ghost Domino Preacher Guy, if I can just get them to pray for me. And thank, I thank God for all of it. And I, I respect and admire all the men and women that God uses. But this verse says, Jesus himself prays for you. Can I tell you, that's a prayer that God the Father will answer every time. Now, let's wrap this up. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Everybody say, God is for me. Say, God declares me innocent. 
and then say, God's love makes me victorious. The Bible says, who shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, he starts out by saying no. Somebody say no. no. Now say it with a little attitude. Say no. no. Come on, shout no. no. Put your hand up and say no. no. Say not today. Not going to happen. No. Hey, now listen, okay, all this stuff, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. No, 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 no. Paul is saying no. What do you do when you're driving down the road? You see a police officer standing in the middle of the road, and he does like this right here. Oh, yeah, you put the brakes on. When he goes like this, <laughs> how many of you learn how to pray real fast? You pray, Lord, teach me to pray, and an officer pulls you over. Oh, Jesus. When he holds up that hand and he says, no, pulls you over. I'm telling you, some of you today need to say, okay, devil, no, not listening to the lies, not listening to the doubts, not listening to the haters, not listening to my circumstances. I'm not even going to listen to my feelings. No, no, you got to pull that thing over to the side. Hey, you, are on, you need to arrest some things in your life and tell them you have the right to remain silent. Who's going to separate you from the love of God? Is trouble going to separate you from God's love? Persecution going to separate you from the love of God? Distress, hunger, opposition? No, 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 no. The Scripture says we are led as sheep to the slaughter. But Paul says, no, not even that. You know why? You're not being led as sheep to the slaughter because the Lamb of God was already slaughtered on your behalf. He says, no, in all these things we are what? More than conquerors. How are we victorious? Through him who loved us. For I am sure. One translation says, I am persuaded. Another translation says, I am confident that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I have a good amen? You see, that, my friend, is what's called unconditional love. And nothing can separate you from that. Can't do it. My dad used to say this. He'd say, boy, I love you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. That's what he'd say. As a kid growing up, I love you, boy, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. And I felt like, wait a second, wait a second. Now I need to do something about this. What's my dad telling me? Doesn't matter how you misbehave, how bad you act, can't separate love. Doesn't matter how well you behave or how good you act, you can't earn love. It's unconditional. And God wants some of you to know today, the, heaven, the, the message from heaven today is this. God says, I love you, and there's not a single thing you can do about it. Can't do about it. What if I do that? I, 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 I can't separate. You see, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says there's no condemnation. 
We started out with no condemnation. Now we're finishing with no separation. Tell you what, that's the way to live life. No condemnation, no separation. When you have been loved unconditionally by the God who created you, if you'll receive that love, you'll know how to give that love. You'll know how to treat people. You'll know how to respond in tough situations. Why? Because I am loved by God, and nothing can change that. God declares me innocent, and my God is for me. Do you receive that today? Come on, can you put your hands together if you believe that? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.